Welcome to Make Mine Multiversity, the best podcast in our universe for exploring the Marvel multiverse. I'm Elias Rosner. And I'm Jana Hill. And this week, I can't go anywhere. Friends to know, and ways to grow. A Marvel comic. Excelsior. Well, here we are, slowly lumbering our way into 2022. Uh, and, you know, we thought we'd we'd take a step back, relax, and talk about reading. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen the sun in what feels like two months because of all the snow we're getting in the Midwest. So I've had a lot of time for reading. It's the best time for reading. I think it's winter is one of the nicest times for reading because no one's really clamoring for you to be like, yeah, you should go outside. Do something else. (laughs) No. I can sit here with some hot cocoa on my couch with like a book or a comic or whatever, and people aren't going to bother me about it. Winter is uh, an excuse to be an indoor kid? Correct. Correct. I can get behind that. I mean, my favorite thing to do when there's like a three feet of of snow outside is to play like an open world game in like a desert wasteland or something. And then just uh, have a lot of dissonance and be totally immersed in some sort of like weird fantastical temperature. So you really liked watching Dune. I watched Dune three times on uh, consecutively smaller screens, but the worms were still huge. I still need to see Dune. I was waiting for it, and then the Blu-rays all got checked out of the library. Yes, I know, no one watches Blu-ray anymore. It's all Apparently, everyone does at the library. Yeah, yeah. It's because you got that sweet, sweet Blu-ray quality. Incidentally, the library is one of my favorite places to get comics. Oh, yeah. It's great. I love it. Um, So, actually, how do you read Marvel Comics? Because listeners will know that as part of multiversitycomics.com, we get review copies. So we do primarily a lot of that because we got to stay ahead. We have to, you know, review things uh, and it can be... Oh, it's a perk. You're you're yeah. uh, you're doing reviews every week for the site. The site's uh, hopefully promoting quality books because that's what the publishers are hoping to do. And um, and it's nice to have access to a bunch of comics I wouldn't normally have checked out. Yeah, but normally, I guess for this we're gonna both we're gonna talk both in the the real like what do we actually do and putting that aside in the hypothetical of we don't get review copies. What do we do? Well, first of all, from the top, the way—I mean, the way both of us read comics is completely psychotic. But the way oh you God, read yeah. comics is that you read every Marvel book, right? There's not a single Marvel issue in a year that you will skip. Mm, yes, I only hesitate because I don't read the IDW Marvel Action comics because those are geared at younger readers, and I tend to miss those. Yeah. Oh well. And those are made with a different uh, purpose than yeah. comics published by Marvel the Publisher. But anything published by Marvel, mainline Marvel, yeah. Even like their, their licensed books. So Alien, Star Wars, Conan, though there aren't really that many Alien or Conan books. Star Wars is really the only one that's substantially kind of its own thing. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole uh, catalog right there that you just mentioned, though. They're, like, those things together. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I read a lot. I, I am, uh, one might say, reading way too many books. Uh, and the way I read them is 
absolutely bonkers. Do do you want me to lay out how I read these comics? I I mean yes, obviously, but um, <laughs> like I, I'm just saying, like that's crazy. You. I read a lot of Marvel books, and I think probably I just I've been reading comics maybe a little bit longer than you, so I've had some time to get ahead. We've probably read like a similar number of Marvel issues total. I, it's possible, but I definitely don't read everything that's published in a calendar year. I like I've I've no I've never done that, and I definitely don't like like uh if I'm not enjoying a series for a couple of consecutive issues, I can just drop it. Like I'm not gonna I I try to you know stay informed for the podcast, but I'm not reading everything. But you'll read a book that you you hate Spider Woman, and you read every issue of that book. Mm-hmm. I like Spider Woman. Yep. I don't even read every issue of that book. Like clockwork. Uh, but yes, you have a system, obviously, because you're a very meticulous, organized person. I do have a system. My system is uh, I organize all of my comics onto my tablet, and I kind of just let them sit in one big folder, uh, organized alphabetically. And every week, I will read the books that I'm very excited about, any books that I have to read for reviews, um, and then... You know, when I as I have time, I'll go back to the books that I was less excited about that I now have time to read. Um, and then probably this is what I'm hoping to do. Like once a month, clear out my total, my, my big list and leave only the books that either I'm waiting until they're done to read um, or the books that I'm absolutely like i do not want to read this now and i uh, i know i have to to be informed but god help me i don't want to read it now and i'll just keep procrastinating on that have to is a very strong way of describing it well here's the problem i love thor and i hate the thor book yeah i've lived there i read a lot of iron fist comics that i don't like yeah so and i feel like i not need in like a i need to for a reason but like Thor is a book that I want to keep reading because I'm hopeful that there will be something that like gets gets me back into it. But nah, not not so far. So like 10 years ago, I worked at Midtown Comics in New York City, um, which is a really big comic store. One of the biggest a very in the country big comic store. <laughs> um, and and you know you get your regulars and there's this thing that i noticed from people that i i observed a lot but never spoke to is that uh-huh. comic fans are uh, comic fans uh, are serial killers who have replaced the need to kill with like an urge to like catalog <laughs> meticulously stapled pieces of paper cuz like uh, there was this one guy who would come in and he would grab whatever he would want a book he would grab the entire stack of every copy of the issue and he would take the entire stack with him uh, to the you know to the long boxes and then he would start sorting through it because he was trying to find what he ranked as the most pristine quality issue it wasn't about finding something that was pristine enough it was about finding the comparatively oh best one in the, in the pile god and he would do this for you know 30 titles a week and Jeez. yeah and i was just like this guy has like a ritual like a serial killer on hannibal but instead of uh, being like turning people into burritos or whatever he's um just like counting out the comics and i think that every like real comics fan has like that sort of um weird uh pathological drive to like organize something about their comics reading and collection like when you 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 cross this uh threshold it's one of the reasons why i absolutely hate that i can't download 
any of the comics that I've bought from Comixology from like Marvel or DC because they don't offer DRM free cop- copies. And so I can't have like a complete collection that I can move around or shop to di- try a different reader or buy from, you know, different stores if they existed. Yeah. Like I can't curate my own reading orders. I'm stuck. I have to, you have to jump around. Like you can't say, I want this to queue up after this to queue up after that. Like, I feel yeah. that deeply. <laughs> it's funny. I still, um, I mean, so I, to answer the question we started on, I read a lot of uh, comics with review copies. Marvel books especially, I will uh, keep up with uh, through the review PDFs that we get for reviews for the website. Mm-hmm. But then um, the other big place I read is the library. Uh, I sometimes, I, I, I used to work at a library, so I had easy access. And there's a very nice library, a short walk from where I live. Um, but during COVID I've done that less, but, uh, I have a streaming service that if you are listening to this podcast and you live somewhere in the United States, take a look to see if you have this service called Hoopla, which you can access with your library card. And they have like the single best library of comics I've ever seen. It feels to me like that, like wild West time at the beginning of online streaming when any movie you could imagine was just streamable on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Do you remember those days? Yeah. Alas. Alas. Um, and that's what Hoopla feels like for comics right now. Any comic you could imagine to read, it's probably on Hoopla, with very few exceptions. Um, and yeah. so... When, They're very weird exceptions. Sure. But then when I uh, I wanted to read uh, Jed McKay's Black Cat, because you convinced me on this show, it was on Hoopla. And that's where I've been reading it. Yeah. And they've been slowly expanding their Marvel stock. They didn't have Marvel for a good long while. Now they do. Just Yes. Nice. And they when they have uh, current stuff uh, for for X Men stuff, they have it issue by issue. Even you can keep up that that way. Seriously, yeah. Huh. I haven't seen any of the modern. I've just seen trades. They like also Boom yeah, they have... Studios. They do single issues. Um, I think Titan image... Comics put them up six single issues. Image books sometimes. Hmm. Um, so, like Saga's there. If you want to read Saga, you can read the first issue for free legally through your library. You can read all the issues for free. Um, well, yes, that's true. But you can definitely read the most recent issue. That's Yes, that's true. And, like, immediately, day of, which is great. Yeah. Um, but because of that time I worked in the comic store, I had access to trades and issues. And issues, I quickly realized, like, I've always lived in apartments and I don't have anywhere to put them. Yeah, that's why I don't really frequent comic shops for single issues uh <laughs> i do i do for the bad idea comics which i think they'll be done by the end of this who knows um but yeah primarily when i get single issues it's someone's given it to me i found it at a garage sale or i'm buying them digitally oh yeah there's a toy store in my town with a copy of uh, all the early issues of excalibur from the 80s and they're selling oh, like a bunch cool. of them for like 10 bucks i'm gonna go pick it up that's cool. Yeah, I'll pick up stuff like that. But um, yeah. But when I was working at the comic, Midtown Comics had like a great trade paperback collection. And also when I was getting into comics, the cool series were like all the Vertigo stuff and Image stuff, right? Like I'm right mm-hmm. in the era when Why the Last Man is wrapping up and Saga is starting. Uh-huh. And so like trades just seemed like the best way to read because a lot of the series were just like simply... Uh, linear. You would just read Saga issue one, and then you would keep on going until you hit Saga issue 100 or whatever. Yep. 108 when it comes out. 108 when it's all over and done with. <laughs> but, like, you can depend on that, so you know if you keep buying Saga paperbacks and you read them consecutively, Saga number seven comes after number six. 
Oh, yeah. But that's not always the case with Marvel books. No. No, they're not. I'm not bitter. I'm not You're bitter You're probably the most bitter person I know on this topic. <sighs> yeah. Because sometimes I, I like, you know, you rename something, you do, like, when it, it serves a purpose, but when you put it in trade and you're collecting it in, like, a systematic way, make it systematic. Yeah. Damn it. it. I will, and you work in libraries and archives, and you think about this stuff more than the average person. Yeah. So I imagine it's a deeper pain. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of is. Like, when... I guess a good example is releasing... Let's say you released all of the Thor issues in order. In trades. Doing that now makes sense. Like, you, once you catch up to modern day, it kind of gets messy. But if you release each thing as different eras, like blank by a unifying author, a unifying artist, that I, I can understand that. Like, that makes sense. But when you just release trades like Spider-Woman Volume 1, Spider-Woman Volume 1, Spider-Woman Volume 1, and they all just have different, like... Uh, fonts, colors. Well, fonts, colors, and uh, subtitles. Like, they'll have different subtitles, and that's how you know to differentiate them. But then they each start with Spider-Woman number one. How are you supposed to know which one came first and which one is in the right series? This happened with Daredevil by Mark Wade and Chris Samney. They had two, two Daredevil by Mark Wade and Chris Samney volume ones. And these were, like, the collected editions after they had completed their entire run. Right, and I, that series I was when I was working at the aforementioned comic store, and they uh, split the numbering when in the story, Matt Murdock moved to the West Coast and became a lawyer in California, and they mm-hmm. kind of like switched up the setting and the tone of the book. And so that was their excuse to renumber, but really they were doing that because a lot of books were renumbering. And yeah, yeah and, every, and that was a great example of a series that a lot of people were collecting in trade because... Uh, the same people who were reading Why the Last Man and Saga would sometimes come over to Marvel because uh, that book was so red hot and beautifully drawn. It was like a crossover hit when it was coming out. I near nearly imploded trying to find the correct volumes to read when I was yeah. reading them at the library. Same thing with Ed Brubaker's Captain America run. That thing is a mess. There is no good way to figure out how to read that. I've got that in a couple of hardcovers that have some overlap in what issues they cover. God. Yeah, it's not very uh, good for collecting. So I actually think that the problem, though, is more fundamental than this. Because, like, what you're talking about is this easy-to-solve problem, and it's so frustrating because they could just, uh, with, like, a little bit of organization and foresight, do something like, you know, clearing the bar for being, like, logical, and they're not even rising to that low standard. No. I mean, they do for um, the Marvel Masterworks. It's just straight-up in order, here are the comic issues. Right. Great. Although even, the, I mean, I, if you want to go at it, I can start poking holes in how they're collecting some of those eventually. Oh, no. Because sometimes I, they'll, mm-hmm. um, uh, like, the numbering of series called X-Men versus the series called Uncanny X-Men. Sometimes they've been the oh. same numbering, but sometimes they've run differently. So when they do a book of Marvel Masters X-Men, do they mm-hmm. also do Uncanny X-Men? And if so, where do they start each one? Oh, there's yeah. no they've they've changed it so many times over the years that there's nowhere there's no repair for any of it. <laughs> there's no unifying thing that will fix everything. Ah, uh, gotta love it. 
But I think the problem is more fundamental, and I'll tell you that uh, shortly after I stopped working in the comic book store when I was reading comics is when this phenomenon got really bad. Mm-hmm. But uh, when Marvel started doing things where they were mixing up the adjectives before the different uh, superhero names. Do you remember this? No. So there was, like, like Amazing X-Men and Fantastic uh-huh. Spider-Man oh. and um, uh, Invinci- no, I... you, you don't remember this era? No, wait, there was actually a Fantastic Spider-Man? I believe that was one of the series. God damn, that, ah, I made a joke in Saturday morning panels. Now it's moot. Now it's moot. Or maybe it's better because that was a stupid one. Fantastic not being an adjective for Spider-Man. But it was, apparently. Maybe that was when he was part of the Fantastic Four. Well, so what they were doing is uh, um, they were just, like, mixing up the adjectives. And even uh, uh, right after this, they did a a book called Uncanny X-Men. But the Uncanny X-Men book was about, like, a bunch of bad guys who were kind of an X-Force-y assassin team. Huh. And, like, um, Incredible X-Men or whatever the other other adjective they went with was the main book. And I remember just getting mad because um, it would be interesting if thematically the book was about these, like, assassins thinking themselves to be the real X-Men or something. But it wasn't. But yeah, but so the premise of the book had very little to do with the name. And then when you're looking back at the history of Uncanny X-Men, there's this like weird blip where they missed, you know, they mixed up the names of what the premises of the books were to like no clear ends. Mm -hmm. And this is when I got really like, I have a a real fine line that I don't cross where I need your book to have like a clear premise to me. So right now, both of us are really enjoying Spider-Man Beyond. I, I know that Spider-Man Beyond, that subtitle, is about this story involving Ben Riley and this evil corporation, right? Like, I, I know... Yeah, and it's also, you know, it's a met Not a metaphor, but it is... It has multiple meanings, too, which is very fun. Right, the, the title is relevant to something. So I like titling like that. That works for me very well. When both the title is meaningful and descriptive. <laughs> Again, very yeah. low bar I'm trying to set here. That Marvel is not clearing. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, they're pretty bad at that. But if you asked me, here's how I would do it, is I would always have a legacy number series going. And, um, okay. And that one would be called Amazing Fantasy, Tales of Suspense, uh, Journey into Mystery, right? Like the classic Marvel series names. Uh-huh. And the numbering goes up and up and up. And then on the flip side, you have these runs that are these title series, and you can call them whatever you want. You can call them Spider-Man Beyond, or you can call them uh, Amazing Spider-Man or Peter Parker Spider-Man, whatever. Like, that's the name of the stories. Okay. And the idea is those are the runs that you're giving to creators to be uh, auteurs and to try bold things as a creative team to try to, like, wow people. And then the the big ongoing series are about the supporting characters, the experimental heroes you're trying to push and see if you could, like, give them a boost or whatever. So instead of doing a She-Hulk book, but you call it Hulk because of, like, reasons... Mm-hmm. Um, you just have, like, a Tales to Astonish series or, or what have you where uh, all the supporting Hulk characters can have little runs. Kind of like what DC did when um, they introduced Batwoman and the uh, Gotham Central and Catwoman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so kind of like how... Essentially, how Journey into Mystery used to run. Yeah, because that's... Until it sh- got canceled. That's, yeah, in our time, times reading comics, it switched up a couple times. There was the Loki part, and then there was the Sif part. It got canceled shortly after that. Yeah. But it, it, I mean, that's what Detective Comics for a long time was. Yeah, like, and I... It was I, just random supporting characters. 
Yeah, and you can, like, um, I have a collection on my shelf of Batman the Black Mirror, which is a good Batman story that ran mm-hmm. in the pages of Detective Comics. Yeah. Um, I love that story. That's Snyder and Scott Snyder and Jock, right? Uh, Jock and Francisco Francavilla. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. How could I forget? Uh, your favorite and mine. Um, love them. Yeah, but, like, so I'm not saying you, you could do whatever you want in the pages of the ongoing thing, and then you're, like, blockbuster one, you're going on the Colbert Report trying to say that uh, Falcon is Captain America now, and you're throwing all your, your marketing clout behind it. That's mm-hmm. not, that's the low-numbered series. That's the one that's Captain America by whoever, number one to 20, or however long you want to run it. Hmm. And I... I think this would let them do both the types of comics they want to do instead of just, like, wildly fluctuating between it to the frustration of everyone. They could do long serialized stories about the deep lore and the ensembles of these universes, and they can also do, like, flashy stories that are approachable um, by different, you know, exciting creators. I think that would take a level of coordination that Marvel does not and will never have. Yes, and that's... Especially not under Disney, which is shocking. They, uh, they're not even rising to the low standards of having, like, a logical numeric system, so I don't expect them to... But, like, when I look at it, I really think you got to strip it down to, like, the the skeleton and rebuild how they uh, release and publish comics. Especially they couldn't even because... sustain Marvel Comic Presents. Yeah, well, and, and especially because um, we talked a lot about, like, floppies and trades and whatnot, but you and I are definitely both moving in, like, a digital library direction. Oh, yeah, 100%. I don't really I I like single issues. The only reason I like single issues more than like digital single issues or even digital trades or whatever uh is simply because you know you own it. You're not perpetually licensing it under the delusion that you own it. Yes, I Sadly. mean Sadly. <laughs> I feel the same way. I'm you under about... this delusion. I keep buying them. Um but like Really? I think there's yeah. a anyway. I think th- there's a nice world that's consumer friendly where like I've got a friend who's a librarian I used to work with and um I got her into another comic book podcast uh My Marvelous Year over at Comic Book Herald. Mhm. And they read select issues from every year to like kind of go through the general story and vibe of what's happening in Marvel every year in publication order. And uh, she's a big movie fan, and she's, like, dabbled in the comics, but she always, she never had a direction. And I, I told her, you know, this might be arbitrary, but at least it'll tell you what issues to get. Mm-hmm. And she's so frustrated, even as a very talented librarian, trying to track down the different trades within the systems, figure out which one contained the issues she wants. <laughs> she keeps getting stuff that has the wrong Ant-Man story in it because uh-huh. Ant-Man's published so weird. And, like, what obviously makes sense is if there was, like, a good service that you were paying that had a lot of different comic titles in it. Like a Marvel Unlimited that was good, that you could search for and, like, uh, track different issues and would remember what you read and stuff like that. That it doesn't remember what you read. Um, well, they, it, they've changed it so many times that it's forgotten on me a bunch of times when they've changed their God. when they've updated their poor organizational system. Gotcha. But just like if if my librarian friend could pay uh, a couple uh, shekels a month to have like access to all the Marvel titles, then she could be keeping up with current books. Sometimes going back and reading old stuff. It's just like a much more comfortable reading experience instead of uh, all this frustration. My uh, I. A few years ago, I read an article being like, what what could we do to try and solve? It was it was specific. It was talking very much within the, the sphere of like academia because, you know, journals are super expensive. Yeah. And the 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 
writer basically was like, why don't we just have a run through the Library of Congress, a national streaming service, and like the logistics of it we'd have to figure out to make sure rights holders are happy and people are happy, but like pay with tax dollars, you get a certain amount each month, you can buy stuff through it. That would be the ideal. Yeah. Me. I mean, sounds a little bit like communism, but I'm sort of into that. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's run. Th- it's a library service. How do we solve our digital libraries? Anyway. I, I Just to be clear, uh, both Elias and I have worked for public schools and public libraries. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm, I'm very pro-library. Uh, and I, th- I think one day we will look back at this age of streaming and go, why didn't we make it public like public libraries? Because libraries used to be private. They used to be you paid a fee and you got access to their, their collections. Uh, we are doing it. It's called Hoopla, and it's wonderful. <laughs> I mean, once once Amazon finds out about Hoopla or whatever, they're going to burn all the libraries to fuel their uh, moon machines or whatever. Uh, the you'll get three audible credits for every every book. My God, that sounds like the Doctor Doom scheme. <laughs> Doom bucks. Yeah, that I just get sad thinking about Marvel trades and trying to figure it out. Even Marvel just numbering. Well, that's why I've sad. completely I I've just like uh cut any semblance of having because I keep on seeing people uh tweet their uh, comic shelves. And the spines don't even align on, like, the same series that came out cons- consecutively. Uh, yeah. Like, the, the size of the Marvel logo will be different, and the font will be different. Yeah. Um, for no discernible publication reason. So my mm-hmm. new thing is to just, like, embrace the chaos. And I have been finding, uh, especially I've been collecting old X-Men trades. So I've got, like, an old beat-up uh, New Mutants Demon Bear Saga thing. I've got a very, the same copy of Dark Phoenix you've seen in every library shelf in America. Yep. Um, I know what you look like. And a hardcover of um, Supernovas, which was X-Men from, like, the early 2000s. Hmm. Okay. Um, just, just like, uh, whatever I can find at used bookstores and everything that I don't already own, or maybe own a less cool version of, I will just buy. And now my Marvel shelf is, is like, concerted chaos. There's no... <laughs> there's just, like, a couple of little uh, spots of order in it for uh, the Annihilation trades and uh, early 2000s Daredevil. I think I think I'm gonna stick to uh, only getting the nice shiny hard covers of limited runs that I like. Yeah, but you try to be meticulous. Marvel's just gonna do you like that. You gotta you gotta embrace chaos. I uh, know. I can't even find a year later. You can't even find any of their hard covers. What alignment is your usual D and D character, Elias? Chaotic neutral. Yeah, that's that, that's where that must be coming out. It's not in your your bookshelf. <laughs> I don't know. You look at my bookshelf; it looks kind of chaotic. I recently, I recently on impulse bought uh, the some something is killing the children hardcover, and it's so nice on my shelf. That's a series I'm reading and enjoying on Hoopla. That that is where I'm reading it too. <laughs> <laughs> Man, uh, we're like an unpaid Hoopla commercial today. We really are. Hoopla, sponsor us, please. We, we, we could use the money. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's enough griping about Marvel's garbage reading orders. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about some things that, you know, are actually exciting. 
I'm excited. Hello, podcast listeners. We're the hosts of the DC3Cast. I'm Zach. I'm Vince. And I'm Brian. Each week, we discuss most of the new releases from DC Comics, focusing mainly on Rebirth, Wildstorm, and Young Animal. We also look at the news of the week, discuss the film and television adaptations of DC material, and dig into industry rumors. We've also had a number of DC creators on our show, like Scott Snyder, Jim Lee, Christopher Priest, Steve Orlando, and Joshua Williamson. So, if you like Borat jokes, my wife, bad to Dio impressions, this is bad, what the f***, and an in-depth look at DC each week, join us every Wednesday morning at multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. Come get Jurgens with us and we're back so before the break we were talking kind of about marvel books in the abstract how are they published how do we read them but now we're kind of going to look at you know the the inside between the covers uh if you will the story the story uh so we're gonna look towards the horizon i'm I'm very excited for some of the books that have been announced in 2022. I'm hoping for more exciting announcements. I'm still wait. We're still waiting on that Hickman book to be announced. Yeah, we are still waiting by on the, the book. by the uh, by the episode's release. Maybe it will be announced, but who knows? Uh, as of yet, it does not look likely to be Spider-Man, as Zeb Wells has been yeah. announced as the writer on that, which I'm very happy about. Zeb Wells definitely uh, has yeah, been is... doing books that make me smile. He is proven that that he can handle it um i but, guess uh, mm-hmm. right before we were griping before the break about yes. how uh marvel's publication system is rather disorganized and i feel like their announcements right now feel disorganized too the x titles yeah. uh, are going to continue to have some sort of unity but like uh i saw one thing that they're doing this year is there's going to be a crossover between um uh, Hulk Thor and Thor. Hulk. Yeah, because yeah. Donnie Cates is writing both of them. And yeah. um, they're marketing it as like, it's the 60th anniversary of Hulk and Thor punching each other or whatever. And we're celebrating <laughs> it by having them punch each other again. And um, yeah, and that gets, gets like a big shrug from me. And so yeah. weirdly, um, the things that I'm most excited about are just like surefire, like comfort things right now. Like, you know what I'm excited about? What? Kieran Gillen's Secret X-Men. Mm, no, not Secret. He's doing Immortal. Immortal X-Men. I'm so sorry. Yes, Karen Gillan's Immortal X-Men. Uh, Teeny Howard's doing Secret X-Men, and it's good. Yes. Yeah, I haven't haven't gotten a chance to read that one yet, but it'll be Well, fun. yeah, you've got an insane reading system you have to adhere to. I didn't even mention that I often read them in alphabetical order. <laughs> Truly chaotic. Yeah, that's your your truest self. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Immortal X-Men is Kieran Gillen writing a, a bunch of X-Men characters. It's very clear to me that Jonathan Hickman really likes Kieran Gillen's uh, characterization for characters like Mr. Sinister and Emma Frost and Cyclops. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, those are the characters that uh, Kieran Gillen is writing again in Immortal X-Men, which also is going to be like the political Krakoan book I've been yearning for because uh, those scenes in Hoxpox were so fun. I just wanted a book every month that gave us like more uh, meetings. Every time that you go into the Quiet Council room, it's riveting stuff. It really is, and it always has these these big implications and questions, and it's it's going to be really exciting. And kind of not playing on that, but Sabretooth is doing similar stuff. Not, oh yeah, I not I'm in any of Sabretooth. the same vein, but same kind of questions. Um, I might have more to say about Sabretooth before this episode's end. Ooh. Oh, I'm looking forward to, and I 
genuinely cannot believe I am saying this. <laughs> I'm looking forward to Secret Invasion, the second one. Oh, yeah? Uh, talk yeah. me into it. Well, for one thing, it's being written by Ryan North. Uh, and I've got... we. You know how we feel about Ryan North here on this podcast, everyone. Uh, I think he's he, batting a thousand. I've never read a bad Ryan North comic. Yeah. And I think he will bring a really interesting perspective to Secret Invasion. And I think he has all of the empathy to not let it fall into the same traps that 2008 did. Like with, because it's all predicated on who can you trust and, you know, everyone's shape shifting and, and you never know who could be what it's it. I mean, it's like the thing in a way. Well, it's eternally a good theme because yeah. uh, there's always uh mass paranoia and moral mm-hmm. panics and uh yeah and going on out in the world so uh that's always going to be a fun comic or a fun premise to revisit for my mm-hmm. money you know what the best uh, adaptation or iteration of secret invasion has ever been well i think we've talked about it before is that the uh avengers earth mightiest heroes one oh my god you, uh, yes we must have talked about it before uh yeah. from the, that um, cartoon what a good adaptation yeah. An ama- that's what introduced me to the story and I think it helped that it was actually set up across many many episodes and like they developed it well and they set it up in all that uh, I have no idea if Bendis set up his in the universe at all Spider-Woman is currently well it did just play with some Secret Invasion stuff and it was well it was bad but not in the <laughs> same way yeah, unfortunately, um, sp- besides being pregnant, I guess, uh, Spider-Woman's biggest story of the 21st century was when she was replaced by the Skrull Queen. And nobody knew. And then everyone hated her for, like, five years. Yeah, Bendis did that to a lot of superheroines, huh? Yeah. Um, but, well, I-, I guess, thank you, Mr. Bendis, for giving them conflicts, because I think it's cool when, when superheroes have conflicts. But, um... Yeah, Ryan North comic will obviously be great. I guess the reason I'm, like, less enthused about it is um, while I mean what I said, and I think that, like, uh, they can bring the themes back, they're doing a TV miniseries called Secret Invasion, and I feel like there's this pattern where um, when Marvel has, like, a movie property coming out that's based on a bad comic, I'm looking at Civil War, for example. Uh Uh-huh. Um, they will try to, like, do a sequel or an iteration uh, using the legacy title or something to try to, like, gussy it up. And I can't think of a single one of these that has uh, performed. You know what I'm saying? I, I yeah. feel that that's, like, a not setting up your creative team for success. But, you know, Ryan North has never written a bad comic, so I'm sure whatever it's going to be, it's going to entertain me. This is true. Yeah, I I think he's going to be able to pull it off. Uh I kind of I'm I'm a little sad that we probably won't get to see any Erica Henderson art on that book. It would have been I think it would have been really fun. That's okay. To have there's her a come back. There's another publisher where you can watch Erica Henderson draw a character named Fuck Tarkington. <laughs> I thought it was Tarkleton. That might be it. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's amazing, and I wish it was getting a sequel. Um, is it getting I'm, a sequel? I'm holding out. I, I'm never going to give up I think they on announced it. something. Hmm. There was a story in Skybound X. <laughs> um, 
And speaking of X, there's not a lot of non-X stuff on the horizon. <laughs> no. That's no, there really is. They haven't announced all that much. Uh, the ongoings are ongoing. Clea, Clea's the new Sorcerer Supreme, and I'm excited for that. Yeah, that's going to be fun. I, um, Clea hasn't been in modern Doctor Strange comics for a long time. Uh, yeah. I mean, she's she's been in she was in and out of Mark Wade's run, um, and she w- was a bit of a presence in Jason Aaron's. I, I feel Bacalos. like I feel like Clea. Whenever I've seen her in the last twenty years of comics, you're always running into her as like an incidental old friend who you know is not sticking around. Yeah, well, she's uh, doing Sorcerer Supreme of the Dark Dimension stuff. Yeah, but like a. You never get the feeling that she's, like, working on something that's going to affect anyone we care about in any meaningful way. She's always, yeah, like, off on these replacement adventures. So it's fun that she's going to get the spotlight and get to be the Sorcerer Supreme, get some characterization, get to establish, like, what she's all about. Because, like, um, I must admit that Jane Foster historically wasn't a character I care deeply about. And now you want to see her in everything? I want to see her in everything. More I want her back. More importantly... I like it when she just, like, incidentally shows up in other character stories. Like in the, uh... Is it the Ten Deaths of Wolverine or the X Deaths of Wolverine? I... Um... I don't know. I think it's Ten Lives and X Deaths. I think that's what it is. I think it was an X Deaths number two, um... Which was, uh, like, a story about Moira, of all characters. Yeah. Big surprise. Um... and I'm excited. Um, I'm excited to see where the hell Ben Percy's going with all that. <laughs> it's. A, a, I was like, where, where, where's she going with this? <laughs> um, where, where's it going? <laughs> it's going going to talk more about Ben Percy. Um, I'm reserving my judgments till the end. I'm having lots of fun though. Yeah. Well, when's the last time you could say you're having fun like this? It's been a while, actually. It's been a while. Yeah. Uh, but I'm I'm really 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 looking forward to most of the Disney Plus shows. Actually, um, I'm looking forward to Miss Marvel. I am a little worried because I don't know where they're gonna go with it. I don't know if they're gonna continue with the Inhumans angle because they seem to want to scrub the Inhumans from the face of the earth. Oh yeah, in Marvel. Always, yeah, they always have these like political editorial. And I think they're doing that in the comics, too. They're, like, retconning her origin a little bit. We haven't seen how that's shaken out yet. I hope it doesn't do it. Or if it does, it does it in a constructive way and not, like, the America Chavez series. Yeah, well, that's Um, especially foolish because, like, those early Kamala Khan comics have so much to do with her being an inhuman. And they're great, so everyone's going to go back and read them. And if then you're you're like, her thing is actually she's not an inhuman. The story that everyone's going to read is going to contradict that. At least with America Chavez, um, well, no, it's kind of the same thing because they weren't contradicting her original comic, which is awful. Uh, They're they're retconning the Kieran Gillen, Jimmy McKelvey run, Mm. which everyone liked. Um, yes. It, yeah, it's these uh, unnecessary retcons of beloved stories instead of, like, uh, retconning uh, malign stories, I guess. But, I guess. But, but... TV-wise. But I'm so excited for She-Hulk and Moon Knight, specifically. All the other stuff I'm excited for, but, like, She-Hulk and Moon Knight I'm very excited for. Moon Knight because I, I, I just want to see more Moon Knight... I hope it does really well. Oscar Isaac was really hunky in Dune. I can't wait to see him be hunky in Moon Knight. 
did you did you see him in Ex Machina? Hunky and scary. <laughs> and that's the tone you want for me. I'm learning a lot about your dark secrets today, Les. <laughs> um, I'm. Oh, but, do you know what my favorite TV show of all time is? Orphan Black. Is Orphan Black, and my favorite ah, Marvel hero yes. is She-Hulk. So, like, obviously, I, this is set up to be my favorite Marvel show. Or yeah. I'm going to hate it, and you're going to hear all about it on this show. Um, I'm ready for that. For those who don't know, She-Hulk is being played by Tatiana Maslany, who was the main actress in Orphan Black, and she the played, like... The main ensemble in Orphan Black. Tw- yeah, she played, like, 20 versions of herself across the series. Like, all six of which, main ones, and then a lot of, yeah. like, fun uh, one-timers. And they all felt distinct, and it was amazing. Also, kudos to her stunt double, who had to sit in all of those scenes. She deserves uh. a lot of credit, too. Those things are all true. Um, I just also need to say about Orphan Black that there is a really very special episode where she plays the trans clone who uh, transitioned uh, from Tatiana Maslany to Tatiana Maslany with, like, a really implausible-looking beard. <laughs> it was an implausible-looking beard. <laughs> and then they're just like, wow, Tony's a trans clone, but is a member of the clone club. Tony's going to be with us forever. And then Tony disappears at the end of the episode, gets on a bus, and never comes back. And um, <laughs> it's the most embarrassing thing in the world, and that only makes me like this show better. It's like right in the middle, and it's just like this terrible thing where you're just like, oh my god, what is this episode? And then it just like goes right back to being... Uh, fucking amazing and she's gonna be playing she-hulk but i'm excited about a marvel thing even more than that this year and that yes my number one most anticipated marvel property is not a tv show is not a comic book is not is a, a movie. movie what is it oh is it midnight Suns? it's marvel midnight suns God. this it's just my like perfect video game it looks so fun you get to be a cool new superhero that you get to make and her name is the hunter Okay. They listen to Metallica. This is just all... It looks so fun. It's going to be my favorite Marvel thing this year. Or, again, or I'll hate it because I build up my expectations so high and then I have to swear vengeance. I mean, it is a AAA game, so... Yeah, but by the XCOM studio, I've played an embarrassing number of hours of XCOM. As long as they're not doing crunch or NFTs. I can't promise... It's the video game industry. I can't make good promises like Mm, that. That's a good point. But I will investigate off the air if you remind me. <laughs> wow. I'm not going to remind you. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want to make you sad. I feel like we're so grouchy today. We keep on being like, I don't know about that. To the other persons that were uh, excited because thing, because we, we live in a capitalist hellscape. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We keep on. Uh, we keep on walking back onto that path. Um, you want to talk about your uh, new reigning supreme Marvel heavyweight champion? Yes, please. <laughs> well, for those of us uh, just joining, Elias and I um, have a uh, segment we like to call the Marvel Heavyweight Championship Belt, where every uh, time we meet and we talk about cont- uh, Marvel books that we're reading right now that are being currently published, uh, we try to pick a winner that could have dethroned last month's uh, belt holder. And if last month your champion uh, was better than anything that came out this month, then they, their, their reign continues on. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, I don't think that's the case for me this month, and I don't think that's the case for you either, Elias. No. I I was just going to say, I'm like, I feel like I've been pretty wishy-washy on jumping back and forth between books. I'm pulling up the list from last time. I, this time, I won't forget what we did, uh, if I can get it up in time. Play the Jeopardy music. Do you have hopefully a... we won't get copyright striked. <laughs> um... Do you, I I have well, I know a book I picked for this month. 
Why did we? Actually, when was the last time we did this? It was a couple episodes ago. It was a while ago. My winner Goodness. last time was uh, the Spider-Man, uh, the uh, Spider-Man Beyond issues. It's been Spider-Man Beyond yeah. for a while. It's been different issues of the Spider-Man Beyond series, but generally that's been what my champion has been, and yours yeah. as well. It's been uh, it's been like, what was it four? Yeah, it's been four episodes. Wow, goodness, that's that that's a while. Yeah, although uh, generally my... uh, Spider-Man Beyond's been like uh, at the top of my list, but not this time. But you go ahead. No, uh, you will be maybe not surprised to know, but uh, Spider-Man Beyond is still at the top of my list. But I have to specify that the Mary Jane and Black Cat Beyond one shot is the one that has remained with me since there have been a lot of really good issues across the board here, but like I just had so much fun with that issue and yeah. Yeah. I love that issue Great stuff. Um, I think we talked extensively about that issue. We were both very excited. Oh, I mean, we have. so Spider-Man beyond has like uh, remained at the top of my, uh, my list. And like you're saying, like sure. Different series might have come, but it's like the, the same Maxis series? Yeah. But this month, a little number one uh, might have toppled it with a, a ferocity I had not anticipated, and that was Sabretooth, number one. Yeah. Um, That's. I'm not surprised that that is, is there. I'd been meaning to read something by uh, Victor LaVale for a while, but um, the first thing I ended up reading by him with that Sabretooth issue, it blew me away. It was like an incredible character study, and uh, it... Uh, and there was themes and it had like deep <laughs> continuity cuts that like you might like uh, the, the way Sabretooth and Banshee were talking to each other or how Iron Fist showed up you could just be reading and you're like yeah Sabretooth wants to kill a bunch of superheroes whatever but there was like uh, Victor Laville that was was pulling deep yeah and I haven't always loved all of his writing only because I think you know writer to comic writer had those transition problems but Sabretooth blew me away and I had just come off of reading Eve which I really loved it was his um, kind of a eco-apocalypse series from Boom uh, and this cleared that by a mile yeah my, my champion loved it my champion's a heel Sabretooth yeah and uh so we're having like a real like villain run right now. I'm really excited to see where this series goes because he's in like he basically has created mutant hell. Yeah, and that's fascinating. But, well, it's that all of these other people are being jailed for probably doing real crimes, but uh, Sabretooth, who did the most awful crimes and has like no choice of re- a chance of redemption, is now like the tormentor of these other people who did have a chance of redemption, yeah. and it's gonna be like ruined just because they have to be in the same place as this actually awful guy. Yeah, the one who just I was uh, Oya, uh, mm-hmm. Idia Konko. Uh huh. Um, I was like, it chilled me to my bones to see her in that uh, hell because, like, yeah, she's murdered some some dudes and everything, but she's like a, a oh. beloved character who I read from her first appearance, and I've never missed an issue of her. I don't, I didn't recognize any of those characters, so I saw them and I was like, who are these people? Why are they here? Oh no. Yeah, we could talk like uh, those are all like troubled characters who have been on the good side and the bad side at different times, mm-hmm. or like a. Uh, framed or misunderstood or what have you, but like none of them are evil in the way that Sabretooth is evil. Hmm. 
Um, Interesting. That's and, gonna be fun. Yeah, and the compassion that was shown to Sabretooth, he's like completely taking advantage of, and he's gonna destroy all these other prisoners. And it's like the most int- it's like uh, looking at the core of like incarceration and like mm-hmm. what you hope to gain by imprisoning people. Oh yeah, yeah. I, just, one now, of the questions oh that it brought up, I found very interesting. So, Trial of Magneto has sort of created mutant heaven, and now Sabretooth has created mutant hell. <laughs> Yeah, and it's really... I, I find it so fascinating that Sabretooth is the guy who they've... Because he's always irredeemable. Like, And uh, a lot of people have done... Like uh, like Magneto did a genocide, and Grant Morrison like knowingly wrote Magneto recreating elements of the Holocaust to, to do to humans. Hmm. Like, yeah, it's pretty uh, sus. Uh, That's a, that was a decision. Yeah, there was huh. a couple of, a couple of that was a decision moments in Grant Morrison's X-Men run. But like okay. like you know, like uh, all all X-Men characters have done something that they should never be able to come back from. But the point of Sabretooth is that he never apologizes. He never really has like a, a meaningful face turn where you know, the one time there was a magic spell that made him a good guy for a little while. Yeah. But like besides that, he always is there to just like be mean and evil and hurt and be sadistic. He's a sadist at heart. And um, yeah. and so making him like the mutant devil is much more interesting than making Magneto or Apocalypse the the devil figure because they ultimately uh, are idealistic and they want to like build a very specific vision of a better world and Sabretooth wants it to be like a worse world. Oh uh, yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Yeah, I so this Sabretooth book is gonna be hard to unseat. I nothing there's nothing on the horizon right now that I even see that has a chance of touching it. Sabretooth's reign is going to be long and mighty. Even though it's just a miniseries. Not, well, something has to be better than it. It's the champion right now. Marvel needs to publish a book that excites me more than Sabretooth is exciting me right now. Ooh. I wonder if... The, how... But when the first issue of, of Kieran Gillen's Immortal X-Men comes out... I guess that's the next contender. We'll see. We'll see if it can, if it can take it or if, uh, like The Undertaker, Sabretooth will just keep rising up. <laughs> I appreciate that uh, The Undertaker is your frame of reference for wrestling And you know what, it's just as <laughs> relevant now As it was in 1994 That's horrifying Yeah, he, that man can never die apparently Apparently um, uh. Also immortal are the uh, Comments left on Twitter Because everything stays on the internet forever Oh jeez But both of us use it, and we use it to promote our stuff We do, we do Uh where can they find you on that hell site? Uh, I'm still tweeting at rambling underscore moose. I'm still publishing on Multiversity a little bit more than I was previously because I'm back to doing weekly reviews, which I quite enjoy. Um, and Multiversity is a pretty great website. You should check it out. I also have been published recently uh, on Comic Book Herald, and uh, that's a cool website that's worth checking out as well. Elias, are you uh, found on the internet yourself? Or have yeah. you uh, retreated to seclusion? Uh, I mean... I probably should, but they can still find me on Twitter at Quetzalish. That's Q-U-E-T-Z-E-L-I-S-H. Same number of letters as Mutant Devil, which, uh, does that mean that I'm secretly Sabretooth? Anyway, and you can find me writing at multiversitycomics.com. I may have a new column going up soon. And by soon, I mean it might already be out by the time this 
episode drops. We'll see if I can get my stuff together and actually write it. I'm excited. That's very enticing. And next time, for anyone who would like to join us, we are going to be starting a two-part read of a very funny, very strange character from the Marvel Universe, Howard the Duck. The first part of which will be uh, from his original series by Steve Gerber. Um, We'll be reading issues 1 through 8, and then 31 and 32. I think that was right. Yes, that's correct. Or was it 30 and 31? No, it's 31 and 32. 31 and, and 32. Um, now you got me doubting myself. I mean, the there's a there's a two-parter about a iron. He becomes Iron Duck. We're reading that two-parter, and okay. uh, those issues are on um, are on Marvel Unlimited. I checked, and I'm going to be trying to read them there. Yep. Um, and if you have a physical trade, you can read them in the Howard the Duck Complete Collection Volume One. I think they're both com- in the first one. Um, if not, they're in one and two. I mean, uh, and then, how about this? Mm-hmm. I'm just making a solemn vow. If you're out there and uh, you are like intent on reading the issues along with us, and you're like, but I don't know where to find them, DM us on one of those Twitter handles. We would help you do that. We would. Uh, we're we've worked as library professionals. We love helping people figure out reading orders. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then in the next one, we'll be reading the Zdarsky and Canone. Canonis. I still don't. I I have to learn how to pronounce this. I feel I've, like such a fool. I've always said Kinones. I thought it was Kinon. Um, I, I don't, but I don't rightly know. <laughs> we'll get it for next time. We'll make sure we get the pronunciation right when we have to say the names a lot more often. Um, we're doing the whole thing. Whole thing, including the crossover with Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. We'll tell you all the specific issues next time, but just know, reading the whole thing, it's a ton of fun. I think that's it for this time. Yeah, we will see you on the other side of the Duck Portal. Quack, quack.